I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> In this episode, David and I continue to debrief what it was like to attend the Young Leaders Organizing Institute of Eye to Eye. Just threw a bunch of words at you. What is Eye to Eye? It's a national organization whose mission is to improve the educational experience and outcomes of neurodiverse young people while engaging them and their allies in the movement for a more equitable and inclusive society. And the OI is where essentially they bring together all the young leaders, all the student leaders from all their programs and they connect, they learn, they train, they get into it. Check out the show notes for all the good links you maybe remember David mentioning this organization on and off. It is a deep part of his origin story. This is the first in what we're so excited to share, a big series of incredible um, recordings that all kind of connect somehow to this conference and our experience with neurodivergent culture. So excited to share this episode with you and stay tuned for more. Like, I think, I think it took, so, and I, I mean, here's the truth too. We had some flight cancellation fun. So like we kind of got there a bit on the tail end, right? So we're talking about less than what is, I can't do math, like a day and a half, right? Spent doing the thing, less than that. And there was a moment where I was like, I keep expecting this to not be real. Like, I keep expecting there to be something that goes wrong or something I do wrong. And I think you probably noticed, I just walked around the next day going, I'm pretty sure I did that wrong. I'm pretty sure I did this wrong. I'm pretty sure I did that wrong. I'm pretty sure I did this wrong. I feel like someone would have called me on all that already, but no one has. So I'm like coming clean and I just want someone to tell me, am I crazy? I must have done those things wrong, right? Because that's totally the feedback I would have gotten in any other situation. I would like catch myself interrupting people and then oh my gosh, I'm really sorry. And then they'd be so chill about it that I would get thrown. This is really weird to me. You're supposed to freak out right now or you're supposed to have a bigger judgment of me. Well, I guess if I'm not going to be shamed by other people subtly or overtly or covertly, I might as well just do it myself. And then anytime I check in with you, you're like, there is no should here. There is no should. You're okay. And There is no wrong. There's no wrong. That's right. And so I would just sort of say to myself, I guess there is no wrong. I guess there is no wrong. But then wait a minute, how do I make any sense of the rest of my entire life? <laughs> that's, it was, that's kind of the vibe. And I and then after like with the recording, I, I kind of think of myself as an extrovert, right? Like I like, or at least like maybe an ambervert. I like my quiet alone time, but I also really like being out and about and I miss people when I'm not around humans. And 
this was this weird thing where I have never wanted to be around people more, but I also cannot remember a time I felt more completely seen. And it was terrifying. I emotionally was, I need to sit down and just process and not be around a person right now because it's just the other backstory was I was getting over a cold and also we had traveled and dropped off children like I had had like no sleep I had barely like functioned so like I know a piece of it was my body was shutting down but does that make any sense that that really surprised me that's not what I do I if I catch myself feeling kind of I need to take time for myself I need to shut down I am that person that would text the people, let's go get dinner. And then I'd be out having dinner, chatting away with everybody, even though inside I am a husk. Because that's what I thought I'd have to do. Because why? What? Of course I have to do that. Like, that's how I am able to ever get anyone to like want to be in any professional or otherwise relationship with me. Right. Like, I have to endear myself to them. And this was genuinely the coolest thing. I think I can check out and no one's going to care at all. And if they care, it's just because, it's oh, it'd be nice to see you. But this is really weird. It's really weird that I think people get it. I don't know. I've talked a lot. <laughs> you just killed it. No, it's, it's so dysregulating. <laughs> so many feelings. <laughs> You're not, I don't think anyone in the world is used to not feeling judged. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like something we're, we're so used to feeling. Asking permission for things, like lots of things happen at the OI that feel a little bit different and it's not easy to process. And I know what you went through to get there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> you being, yeah. Um, but no, seriously, like, does that, does that, I mean, I'm asking honestly, David, I guess the part that I'm a little concerned about is, well, does that mean, I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think what I'm trying to say is like, one, does this happen to other people in that kind of context? Am I the only one who's, you know, mind was blown and then I had to go gather, like, scoop my mind back into my skull? <laughs> I don't know. No, here's what I say. I, I don't know because I don't think I've been, like, in this kind of alumni role, not, like, in the throes of things yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that, like, it was very routine for us to be up late Mm-hmm. after every night, like in some common room mm-hmm. while somebody cried, someone hugged somebody else, someone else laughed and someone either broke up or made like a significant partner. Like they either broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend or made a boyfriend or girlfriend like that night like, through an awesome text conversation with someone back home. But like all these things will be happening in like a group room. Mm-hmm. We would all end up getting to bed at like three in the morning mm-hmm. and then we would all start at like 730 the next day. Of course, this is when we're younger or whatever, but like <laughs> that happened every night oh. and so when you're like did someone feel like would, would someone and i'm like yeah the difference is you were in a like a torrent being whisked down a stream mm-hmm. not being slammed against any rocks yes and so i feel like if we were in a different role you would have been you would have crashed early and like 13 people would have checked up on you yes you and then food, i and then i hung out in the room and then you'd come out with people and like yeah yeah I think it's so rare to feel so seen and accepted yeah. and not judged for for it. And in fact, in a way embraced, like that your vulnerability is the thing that then connects you to people. You kind of know that 
people get it and they're not just saying they get it because they want to. They've lived some and they've seen some things. There's also this layer of, I'm going to use this word and I don't know if it's appropriate because the closest I came up to with it when I was like journaling about it later was I suddenly felt a massive wave of grief and regret and a really odd release too. Yeah. But it's palpable. Like it's like a shared collective grieving or something. Does that make any sense? <laughs> I'm, yeah. The part that I want to make sure I'm really naming is what you're talking about is, is very unique to this process. I don't know if they actually see all your parts, right? Oh, fair. Yes. Yeah. But they see this part that most people spend most of their day hiding. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And so having that part be visible mm -hmm. and it's, it's exhausting and refreshing mm -hmm. and really sad to know how long it's been hidden. Yeah, that's true. And the yeah. grief is so real. And, you know, as, as a therapist, it's really interesting when I, when I can, you know, find or diagnose somebody with a neurodivergence later in life, you know, whether it's ADHD or something else, the first thought is like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Oh my God, why didn't I know earlier? Oh my God, if I would have known earlier, what? Oh my God. Yeah. And I think that it, you cannot get this information without like grabbing some of that grief. Ah, oh, that's so true. That's so true. There's all different ways we grieve, but I think the interesting thing is that even that I still think kind of gets silenced, right? Because we don't, I mean, I mean this, right? Most of my neurodivergent community is people I've met through you and then the friends that are already neurodivergent who've, you know, kind of, we've all come out of our beautiful varieties of neurodivergent closets. Um, but there is this interesting, I think, thing that happens when you're in a room and it's, the task is to sit with that. You know, what am I trying to say? Like how to put it? You could go to like a Comic-Con and feel like, oh, I found my people, right? But now imagine you're going to like a Comic-Con for like, I, I can't even think of it. It's like your one favorite show that got canceled too soon. And it's... <laughs> I'm like thinking of Firefly right now, right? Like, and it's extra specific. It's the one character you liked. And it's like- Serenity. Yeah. yeah. And it and like everyone is going to watch Serenity together and everyone's going to cosplay as Jane. And that's the whole premise. And like, you know, and that's it for the next four days. And it's like, it's like that. It's like amplified because it's that I am freaking out specific. right now. You still feel that when you're in a Comic-Con or something, you walk around and you see like Firefly fan art, you're still like, ooh, but it's like different when it's that level. <laughs> do you Wait, I got to do that. I think I could do this now. Okay. <clears throat> so, Isabel, what I think I hear you say, and I want to make sure I, you know, I say this right, is it's kind of like when you like a sports ball team and you go to another city and you see, and you're going to watch your team play in another city and you see that one person who's there to see your sports ball team in another city and a sea of other people. And you're like, oh, you, you're awesome. And that person looks at you and goes, yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> and then like, you don't talk for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. But like when you see them, you know, they're on your side because they're wearing your colors, like your team's colors. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I made that totally like a sports ball analogy, but like it is, it's when you're finding other people under duress 
when you're outnumbered. Yes, it's finding it's it's like locking eyes with the other. Like I I, I swear this happens. Like I mean, because goodness, I'm a cis white head woman. I'm working with so much privilege. The I'd say for me, this happens a lot with other tall women. <laughs> like I'm six foot, so anytime I'm making direct eye contact with a woman. There's just this like thing that we do where like sometimes it's, we don't even introduce ourselves. We just go, where'd you get the pants? And we're like swap, you know, tips or something. It's just like, yes. but it's like, it's always when you're outnumbered. And like, I, I still know the feeling. There's this like running joke that like I found my people when we landed actually in Denver, because I think I, I'd like to posit that maybe there was like a women's basketball or volleyball or some sport. There were a lot of tall, athletic build women like walking around roughly of you know like younger or maybe parent of those younger ages and everyone is like around me and we're getting on the tr like the little tram in the airport and I was standing there going I feel oddly comfortable here huh and then and then oh. only later and then Bobby goes I think you found your people I'm like oh, you're right you know like you're right it's like you're so used to not that not being the mm. norm that when it's the norm it's so delightful and then simultaneously jarring and like yeah it's all of it oh okay so i've talked about me having big emotional breakthrough david and we don't have to get into it because i also respect that this is you know a very personal thing that like i know you know you've shared more with me but that doesn't necessarily have to be shared in the context of this podcast but you were dealing with the massive trauma and loss of your brother and grieving and doing all that and also saying goodbye to this thing that brought such spark and community and inspiration to you and then here you came back to it like side note how are you doing <laughs> <clears throat> no i mean i think that like Good is like the understatement. Before before going, it was hard. Mm -hmm. A lot of feelings, but like after going, I feel like like I've been, I was holding it for a long time. I had to go to the bathroom, and like finally we got to the gas station, and like I went to the bathroom, and I have like a cold like slushy in my hand, and I'm and some snacks for the rest of the drive. Like it feels really good. <laughs> um, the part that I'm left with, mm -hmm. this is interesting. It's different from before. I have this like ravenous feeling of like, put me back in coach. Mm. And, and like, there are all these things that I didn't say that I wish I would have said. They're all, I, there's this whole thing I do around dialectics. I wish I would have brought up my, my dialectic superpower conversation. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have talked about different kinds of skills. I wish I would have been more specific about transmuting internalizations. I wish I would have been like, I can't even list the number of people that Sawyer, Chloe, like, like just all these people that were like just blowing my mind with so weird seeing parts of me mm -hmm. 10 years, 15 years ago, looking at a person that I thought was really great. Mm -hmm. And so it was this moment of feeling like everything was coming full circle and I felt an immense amount of gratitude mm -hmm. that I could reconnect with people that were really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and that my partner would see what I've been doing. 
How did I disappear from home? Oh, oh I didn't realize that. Robin not been to one before. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And it wasn't just like Robin was there. Robin participated in their APAC event. It's like going for allies, really working with, you know, in a day and watching Robin just, it's not just like believe in the work, but like feel comfortable with people. Sorry. I'm just going to tell the my partner, neurotypical, right? And like my partner <laughs> could get along with everyone there because it wasn't a judgment-filled place. And I watched I watched them feel really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me how important that lack of judgment is, not just for our population, but for everyone. Right? Yeah. It reminds me of like how much was going on there that like they really wouldn't be special accommodations if they were just more consistently implemented everywhere. Mm-hmm. And like I uh I came back from the OI with a renewed sense of confidence and worth and mission mm. because I mean let's like we do this podcast for a reason mm-hmm. like we are trying to destroy a stigma mm-hmm. we are trying to make this place a little shinier than when we found it yeah and and it it feels really good to know that like we're not the only ones doing it by far yeah but we're the ones with the best podcast by far. <laughs> what? what? what, what? <laughs> Suddenly I just picture like all these other podcasters who are also amazing. Like we just like launch into like, it's time for a dance off. Oh my God. And then it all ends with us hanging out. <laughs> it, all, all, it, it all ends with us like being like we're gonna have a dance off we argue about the song that's gonna be played for a while and who's gonna go first but then we forget to start dancing and have a great time uh, yes time. or alternately we just sync up into a beautifully choreographed like <sighs> flash mob but with no prior planning because why would we need to rehearse it's it just would be like the flash mob from thriller exactly like, just like <laughs> in either direction yeah. and like we clap and our heads move and we take a step forward and yeah. you clap again yeah. your head moves and take another step forward <laughs> David side note I like I love how well you just described thriller dance in words I have such a hard time doing that that's so great but yes exactly yes all of it thank you so much for listening if you ever have that thought where you think hey I'm nothing stop remember you're something Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of, and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.